0: You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host Ben Wolf. And welcome to the Win Win podcast. This is Ben Wolf, as always, your host, and we're going to learn from our guest today how to build a tech company if you don't know how to code. Uh, so, looking forward to that conversation. Very, very interesting. Because sometimes you have a concept, but you you know you don't know how to code. So, the uh, uh, we're going to learn that from our guest today. Ask everybody to. Uh, just pause for a second, leave a review. We want to get the content that we're sharing out here to more people. You will make it accessible to more people through the algorithms of all the various platforms uh, by leaving a review, commenting, liking, sharing, uh, following, whatever it is that you're allowed to do on the platform on which you are listening to or watching this. So please ask you to do that. Uh, And with that, I want to get introduced into introducing our guest today, who is the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, which describes itself as the Uber of lawn care. Uh, you can find out more about them at yourgreenpal.com. That's yourgreenpal.com. And with that, I give you Brian Clayton. Welcome, Brian.
1: Ben, thanks for having me on your show. It's great to be here.
0: My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, yeah. So the first thing I want to get into with you is kind of give us a quick context, right? How did we get, you know, how, how, you know what took you in like two minutes or less from uh, explanation in terms of what took you from wherever you came from to talking about something like you know building a tech company without knowing how to code.
1: Yeah, so I'm currently founder, uh, co-founder of GreenPal, the Uber for lawn mowing. If you're a homeowner and you need to have your lawn mowed rather than calling around, you just download GreenPal, pop your address in, you get quotes, and you can hire somebody to mow your grass right through the app. Pay them and schedule them right through the app. GreenPal is a 10-year overnight success. Uh, my two co-founders and I have been at this for almost a decade. Mm. Uh, but but now we're nationwide in the United States, in every major city. And so no, if you live in any town with over 20,000 people, you can use GreenPow to order a lawn mowing service. Right. We actually started in Nashville, Tennessee, spent four years in Nashville getting the app to work well, getting the marketplace to, to work correctly, and trying to figure it out just through trial and error. And then after we figured it out in Nashville, we expanded out into and into every city throughout the United States. right? Um, before GreenPow, what got me to Pow was I had a landscaping business. I started mowing grass in high school as a way to make extra cash. And, and over a 15-year period of time, I ended up building one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, uh, getting it over 150 employees, uh, eventually over mm. $10 million a year in revenue. And in 2013, a, a national company bought that business. Mm -hmm. And so after that, 2013, I took like a year off, got bored, thought, what am I going to do with my life now? And, uh, and I thought, well, uh, somebody needs to build an app to make it to where you can just push a button and somebody will cut your grass and why not be me? And it was kind of naivete as an asset. And, uh, my two co-founders and I started working on it and, and, uh, the first three, four years were really, really, really hard, but, but we stuck it out and here we are today. And, uh, and I think we got to where we are by not giving up, just, 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 just going from failure to failure. Yeah. That's an asset. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Right. If, if if people would tell you, I definitely talked to a lot of founders that feel that way, you know, people would tell you how much pain and suffering and how hard it's going to be. Like you think, Oh, it shouldn't be that hard, you know? And like, you know, but if people told you what was really involved and how many years it's really going to take till you get to X, whatever you think you're going to get to in your head, um, you know, you'd never do it. No rational
1: person, no rational person would do it. Uh, right. Uh, so yeah, that naivete can be helpful in the early days. You don't know what you don't know and you just celebrate the small wins and keep going.
0: All right. So, so, so walk us through that, right. You're, you, you know, there might be people listening out there, uh, that, that, you know, they have a concept, right. Like you, like it's a logical concept, right? Like, gosh, I love, you know, calling the Uber with just an app. It makes it easy, you know, um, yeah, if only people could do whatever whatever your industry is with that, you know, or like you know, people have some other concept, right? You get a concept, you get an idea, but you got to you're you know, you're a landscaping business owner or you're whatever you are, right? It, you're not a tech person, so uh, you don't, you're not coming from Silicon Valley, right? So what? Right. Okay, so so how do you do it?
1: <laughs> not coming from Silicon Valley and not in Silicon Valley, you know, in mean, Nashville, Tennessee, like we're not really known for. Our, uh, consumer, our consumer technology successes. Yeah, uh,
0: venture capital, capital of the, you know, of the Mid-South. No. Got, and for people who don't know, I mean, I'm a, we talked about this before we started recording. I'm a Nashville native. So obviously it was an additional attraction besides, I would say the topic, which is novel for us, but uh, obviously an additional attraction to talk to, a, you know, talk to another Nashville native, actually. I'm not even totally a native. I was technically born in Charleston, South Carolina, but I don't remember it. We left when I was so young. Uh, But, uh, but yeah, great to, great to talk to another Nashville person and are we comparing high school, you know, sports rivalries before we started (laughs) recording. So that's fun, but like, yeah. Okay. Right. Exactly. You're outside the hub. You're not in this venture capital world, but you got a good idea for a concept. And, you know, in this case, you really understand the industry that you want to apply that technology to. So that's a totally different kind of expertise that tech people maybe wouldn't have. So. How do you do it?
1: Yeah, so I, I think uh, one thing we did have going for us was authenticity as a competitive advantage. You, you know, I'd spent 15 years in the industry, so I, I knew it from the inside out. I kind of knew what problems technology could solve and could make better uh, in the real world. But I was quickly confronted with the reality that the idea is almost worthless. Uh, the idea, the, 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 the concept is almost valueless. Uh, We're really only thing, the only thing that matters is execution, the ability to, to make a plan and execute and, and get stuff done. And, and not only that, but, but it really just zoning in on very small things in the early days and just mm-hmm. like going from one small thing to the next and l- slowly those things beginning to compound and looking what back. Do you mean, you know,
0: Can you, go, yeah. Go a so deeper into that.
1: Yeah. So like, like, Entrepreneurship, particularly startup land, is full of these like this dichotomy of like this big audacious goal. I want to build the Uber of lawn care. I want to be nationwide. I want 2 million users. Uh, But then also thinking and acting very, very, very small. So, for example, when we built the first version of GreenPal, we didn't have any user acquisition strategy. We didn't, know, we didn't have any users. And, and when it comes to building new technology, if you build it, they will not come. Mm. And so you have to have some kind of strategy to get your first 20, 30, 40, 50 customers, 100 customers. And, uh, and, and we had no strategy. So, so we had to, we, we had spent eight months building this thing. And so the only thing I knew, knew to do was to pass out door hangers, like flyers, all over Nashville, Tennessee, and so, so here I am, you know, I just sold a, an eight figure business and starting all over again, right. out, and, out, and literally audience. handing, handing out right. door hangers, uh, with my two co-founders, um, got bit by a dog two times, uh, you know, and I quickly understood like, this, is, this is not a scalable user acquisition strategy. I knew that, but as what we had to right. do at that stage of the game to get a hundred customers, because we needed a hundred people to try. So where'd you this. get the?
0: How'd you get the? Uh, you just call friends. Like how'd you get the? Uh, how'd you get the lawn care people? Because obviously, if there's no product, if there's no supply, you yeah. get demand. They're not going to have anybody to hire.
1: So you know, a true marketplace, we connect buyers and sellers, and so and so you kind of have two customers, and and so we so he says chicken and egg problem, and and we kind of uh, we kind of hacked the chicken, I guess you could say. Um, I I called up. Every lawn mowing service out of Craigslist, out of Yelp, Facebook, and pitch them on the idea of, hey, um, we're building this platform for you to run your whole business. You, you can get as many customers as you want. You can get paid quickly. We connect you with as many homeowners as you can handle. Um, would you try it out? It's free to use. You just pay a transaction, a, a fee for every transaction you do. And hey, yeah, maybe, you know, and like the reality was the app was a piece of crap uh it was didn't have the tools it needed mm-hmm. but the way we were able to kind of like hand crank that side of the market was i said you know what and 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 you may have heard of me and, and, and you know i just sold uh one of the biggest companies in tennessee really is that you yeah yeah you know and now i'm building this thing and i will give you free coaching uh for mm. as long as you use my app to run your business and so i did that um mm. and we and, and like i i personally knew the first 500 service providers that used the app. They all had wow. my cell number wow. and I would offer them free coaching. So what that did was it was kind of like the honey and the glue to get them on the platform and keep them on the platform, right? submitting pricing, right. Uh, do, showing up. So your customers job. had
0: a reliable supply that wasn't going to disappear. And it was exactly. enough supply and enough choice. So they would feel exactly. like there was supply and choice
1: like liquidity in, 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 in the one market we were operating in. So then we could uh, focus all of our intensity on the consumer experience. Cause I knew we had to nail that if we couldn't attract consumers onto the platform and delight them and, and ma- let them get this service done in a much easier way, then nothing else mattered. And so we spent like two years nailing the consumer experience figuring out how to make it seamless for them to onboard and, and that's what you mean by that. the
0: little things, right. It's just like honing right. every
1: detail, honing, yep. it on over a long period of time to begin to compound and, and the little things like taking a vendors, uh, taking a, a long care services call on a Sunday when he has a question about something that's totally unrelated to what you're doing, but you know, you know, if you develop that relationship with that service provider, that, that, that that's what you need at that stage of the game. Right, and uh, so so it's like these little things that that nobody talks about. They are not fun. They're not sexy. Right, like every movie you've ever seen about entrepreneurship, the part where they actually build the business is set to like a like a musical montage.
0: Like, right, just, right. Cue the cue, cue the app building montage. Yeah, cue, yeah, cue the, yeah. Cue the doorknob hanger montage. Right, right. You
1: know? Nobody nobody wants to watch that part of the movie. Is so. And so that's the part that gets skipped over a lot. And that's the right. part I think that, that, that new founders are naive about. I certainly was. And that's just what it takes. And like looking back at like 10 years in this business, 15 years in the last business, one thing that kind of makes sense to me is like, it's almost like a video game, kind of. Like there's 10 levels and you just work one level at a time. Mm. And I think the, the, the problem is, is a lot of new founders start the video game and, they're, and they're, the first thing they're worried about is Bowser. And it's like, you don't have bowser problems. You need to get, you need to get your first 20 customers. Right. That might be level one, throw up the flag they get to get them at level two.
0: Right. And well, what, what about the element of not knowing how to code? Right. right. What about the element of tech company? No, no, you know, technical knowledge
1: or yeah. whatever.
0: So how, 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 how do you, how do you handle that? Or how do people handle that?
1: It's uh, today now, you know, 10 years later, there are some low-code, no-code pa- platforms you can use. Yeah. And that can kind of help you get maybe a prototype out the door. Right. But back then, there wasn't this kind of thing. And I don't want to, like, espouse that those things are a silver bullet and can enable you to start a tech business without, without knowing how to code. I think you kind of have to learn how to code. For us, we paid a dev shop in Nashville to build what we thought GreenPal should be took, took them nine months. It was like 150 grand launched it. And it was a total flop, total failure. Like they didn't have the features it needed. It was clunky buggy. The user interface sucked. It was hard to use. It was confusing. Um, it didn't fulfill the vision of push a button. Somebody shows up to mow your yard and, uh, we were confronted with the reality of like, holy crap, this is a lot harder than what I thought I was going to be. There's like a million things we need to fix with this, a million iterations. And we have to be able to do it ourselves. Like, there's just no way around it. We have to learn how to, how to do this. And so I started going to YouTube University, mm. taking online classes, became the world's most terrible front-end engineer. And my, uh, my co-founder uh, went to a, a, a software boot camp called Nashville Software School. Mm -hmm. uh put 12 grand on his personal credit card for tuition uh so went 12 grand in the hole on top of the 150 we already spent right uh to learn back-end programming uh and Mm. and over an eight-month period of time he he rebuilt the entire platform over eight months while learning wow and then i'm and then i'm hacking together the interfaces the front end right and and while i'm learning now granted what he did what he what he was working on was an order of magnitude harder than what I was working on. Uh-huh. Uh, but at the same time, I'm working on other stuff like what's our SEO strategy, what's 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 the what's the design of the product look and like. And you're coaching all these, and you're coaching and I'm all coaching. These it was it was it was, it was seven providers. days a week, hundred hours a week. Yeah, so so it was uh, it was very 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 challenging. But we 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 were able to learn the like the 80-20 of software development, and and get it good enough to where we rebuilt the whole thing. And then like the, the platform we're iterating on today is the same. Is the if same you were doing platform. this again,
0: would you have completely skipped that part with the outside company?
1: <sighs> you know, for us, it was our
0: I mean, uh, people want to, you know, I'm just, I'm saying this for everyone else's benefit, right? Like, should they, yeah. you know, what's the if, better thing for people learning from your experience to do? Should they just like, you know what, that's a waste of time. Nobody outside is going to be able to do it. Is it that you uh, yes, like the wrong yes. provider or is it you just need to figure it out yourself and like that's definitely, what you need to do.
1: Like definitely understand that you're not going to build a new technology and bring a new uh, product to the market by outsourcing it. Mm-hmm. You're just not. As, it, it, and it's as silly as this. It'd be like uh, it'd be like me, like I don't cook, I don't know how to cook. I've I've never created a recipe. Um, and I don't know anybody that cooks, but I want to open a five star restaurant. Right. And, and I, and like, I have no chefs, but the, but the dining room looks great and the <laughs> sign looks amazing. Uh, but I have no proprietary recipes. I have, I know nobody that, I know no chefs, uh, but we're going to like outsource that. Like, no, it's just silly. That's what trying to start a new tech business and develop a new piece of technology without having, uh that as your core competency it's, it's 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 just impossible it's a fool's errand but we didn't know that and a lot of new founders don't know that right um ideally you know you get two co-founders that come together you get a hacker and a hustler um you get right. somebody who's just good at driving the business forward right uh who's good at getting stuff done maybe an operator and then you get somebody who's like a who understands the tech side who can get the technology side done right.
0: you got gonna bring in the right
1: person yeah we were we were three hustlers and luckily, we were sufficiently motivated to learn the things we didn't know how to do. It just took a long time. It was very right. painful. Anybody can do it, though, if you're if you're if you're motivated enough.
0: Right. Well, look, if you if you have, you know, if Green Powell, for example, is a national brand at this point. Right. Ten year overnight success. Right. So what. um one other thing I got to ask is, and again, if you're coming from the long care world, right? You're not coming from the VC world and angel rounds and all this stuff. How, you know, how do you fund? How do you fund a startup like that? So again, if you're not, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's a great how, question. How do you how do you, how do
0: you get money? Because I assume you need a lot of money to do this. So
1: uh, these these new new marketplaces suck up a lot of cash, um, and and they, and they 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 take a lot of money because you're building all of this stuff before you're making a bunch of money and you have to kind of have to pay for distribution sometimes too. You have to, you have to maybe buy Facebook ads to get awareness around what, what it is you're doing. And uh, I, you know, we didn't raise any outside capital for a couple of reasons. One, we're we're in Nashville, Tennessee. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like there there was maybe one or two VCs we could even pitch. And so it wasn't, it wasn't, like we could fall into the Silicon Valley echo chamber and, and just go, go down that path that most tech startups go down. So we were kind of uh, uh, spared that because for me, my philosophy is that revenue is the best form of financing. I think it kind of keeps you course corrected. Um, you know, we, we made a thousand dollars last month. <laughs> Let's figure out a way to, to put that thousand dollars to work it is a great way to start a business versus, mm-hmm. Like, n- no, I- I'm not going to work on the product. I'm not going to work on talking to customers. I'm going to create a great pitch deck, and I'm going to spend six months pitching to try to raise 300 grand. Ah, it's just not something that I wanted to do. And, uh, and, you know, now we're 10 years in. We, you know, we make the equivalent of a seed round every month. So it's a, it's, it was. I'm glad that we were able to you know. to, to, to gut it out. But it's harder. It's harder in many ways. But also, I think like raising capital can be a bad bet. A lot of times it forces a, a binary outcome. Either you get rich or die trying. And, 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 and for me, like I had one good idea. I've, this, is, this is my one good idea I've had in 10 years. I didn't want to crash and burn. I right. didn't want to like put rocket fuel in a Toyota Camry. Like I wanted to go slow, build it on its own revenues and build it sustainably. And however long it took is however long it took. And, uh, and that's, that worked for us. And, and, and the thing is, is like in 2013, 14, 15, 16, a bunch of money got flooded into the market for Uber for X ideas, Uber for valet parking, Uber for laundry service, Uber for car washing, you name it. Right. And 95% of those businesses went to zero. And so that could have very easily been, been, been us. Luckily, we're here now. We have an eight-figure business that's profitable and growing. So, so it, it was the right call for us. But it's not necessarily like the silver bullet for every f- founder. Like sometimes raising capital is the right move. Sometimes bootstrapping is the right move. You kind of have to figure out uh, which is the best uh, uh, journey for you and place your bets accordingly.
0: Right. What are What is like your biggest mistake or biggest mistakes? And I'm asking not just, you know tell all right like so people can can see this and people can learn from it right so what are some of like your biggest mistakes
1: yeah um it's hard to even it's hard to even like pick the biggest <laughs> <But> one <laughs> well but pick one, a couple
0: of a couple of top one, contenders
1: <laughs> one uh so entrepreneurship is going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm so mistakes are made along the way on a consistent basis and you're just trying to learn from those to course correct and get better and smarter and figure out what's working and what's not but one like them- thematic theme of mistakes that, that i've made a lot in 20 years of business is this weird uh dichotomy of of delegating too soon and then delegating too late mm-hmm. and so what i mean by that so it's like a lot of people uh, say oh you gotta you gotta build systems and processes and delegate quickly delegate delegate because that's your force multiplier and that's true but a lot of entrepreneurs and founders delegate too quickly and they delegate uh, before they have the first clue as to what the hell's going on. And then it doesn't work. And I mean, so they don't
0: understand, us, they don't first understand what they're delegating. Is, that's that, right. is that kind of like the principle behind this idea? That's Right.
1: So, so for us, a great example, we, we delegated too quickly in terms of uh, we had the idea for green Powell We paid a dev shop to right. 150 grand in nine months and delegated everything Right. And it was a to- total failure. Without understanding
0: and, what you're delegating.
1: Without understanding product design, understanding what the customer wanted, right. understanding what, what the user experience needed to be, understanding how to build it, understanding how to market it. Like we didn't know how to do any of that stuff. So And so we thought we could just delegate our way out of it. And, and as it turns out, no, we needed to, to know how to do all that stuff. And then, uh, so we had all the scars from that. And then we like held on to it for too long. Right. Too long right. but, like my, my co-founders and I did everything for the next four years we didn't hire our first contractor or employee to help us with anything for like three or four years. So then we delegated too late. Right. So ideally, you know, you stand this stuff up, you, you learn the 80 20 of whatever the hell it is. And then, and then you build out a team. Um, you know, I like the, I like the name of your podcast Win Win because one of my favorite books is seven habits of highly Effective people by Stephen Covey. And he's got a whole chapter on win-win. He also has a whole, a whole chapter on delegation. And, and so he talks about there's delegation by stewardship, and then there's also delegation by abducation. And so most people delegate too quickly and they delegate by abducation, which is like, I don't know how to do this. You handle right. it. Right. What you really want to do is, is like, here's what we're doing. Here's how we do it. Here's when I expect it back. Here's the process. Here's how we, here's how we grade quality. Here's how long we think it should take. Here's how much it should cost uh you know and, and here's how we want you to do it. You now please execute. Like that's delegation from stewardship because you understand how it works and you're and you're and you're and you're delegating it in, in a stewardship fashion. That's how you want to delegate. Uh whereas I have made the mistake of delegation from education. I don't know how this works. You just you just handle it. That usually doesn't work.
0: Uh, that is that is super interesting. And I like the trigger. I think that's a good trigger of what you said. If someone's trying to think like, hey, what's, you know, when is it too soon to delegate? When am I, when am I doing it by abdication? And you, you gave the example that it's, you know, that, that if it's before you've really got the 80-20 of whatever it is that you're delegating, like you need to get most of the understanding, not every single detail down to the nth degree, but, you know, what, you know but but the basics the 80% of whatever it is to you have a grasp on before you before you delegate it is a trigger i guess in terms of knowing how not to do it too early what's a trigger that you would say for like hey i've held on too long or it's too late not too late obviously but it's just we should have done it earlier
1: when when you can come into work and you know, a lot of times it's, 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 you're in the business and you're on the business. So you're actually executing this stuff, and, but, but you, you, you are, wor- you, you're running the business, but you also feel like you're working a job in the sense that you're executing things on a daily basis that you have mastery of. Right. And, and it's like, you, whether you're writing blog post content uh or you're writing code or you're doing customer support or whatever. Right. It's, it's gotten easy. Like,
0: it's gotten easy and repetitive.
1: Something's it's starting like to get it easy, works.
0: starting to get repetitive.
1: Yep. It's time yep. to be delegating. Yep. Now here's the thing. It's a lot easier to just to do the stuff right. than it is to set up the process and the right. system and the standard operating procedure for somebody else to do it. <coughs> so that's what that's what that's a sticking point for a lot of founders. Is because it's just it's just flat out easier to just do it, in the short run, than to set up a process for somebody else to do it. Right. Do it do it consistently, and 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 actually, ideally, get better at it as as time goes on. That's a lot more challenging. It's a lot more challenging to build a system that moves rocks than to just move the, than to move a rock yourself. So so that's the trap that a lot of founders fall in. They 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 don't delegate. They wait too long to delegate. Because it's, just, it's hard work to set up a system that can, can do that.
0: Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm part of this thing, uh, strategic coach with Dan Sullivan. And, and he talks about one of, the, one of the important ways to spend time on the days when you're working internally on the business as opposed to client acquisition or things like that, things that are external facing and, uh, or client service. And it talks about you know, one of the activities on, on, on your buffer days being to package up messes. Yeah, packaging <laughs> up the message. So you got this. I like uh, that. Is, that's what comes to came to mind when you describe that kind of because it is. It's a uh, you know, it, you know, in the short term, it's more work, but obviously in the long term, it's taking stuff off your plate. Yeah. you do finally delegate, uh, because then on that repetitive, easy stuff that you don't really need your brain to be doing, and your time to be spent on, you could spend your times on higher and better uses on things that are more value to the company. You can make, you know, a million dollars for the company with the same energy that you could, you know, spend making a hundred dollars for the company doing level work that you shouldn't no longer be doing.
1: That's right. And, and uh, you know, a lot of times in business we're dominated by the things that, that are urgent, but not important. And we got to get out of that paradigm into the things that, that are important but not urgent, right? So those, and are right, things. and
0: delegation is the key to being able to do that.
1: That's right. right. Packaging up those messes, right, is one of the things that that is important, but aren't that isn't urgent, right? When it, when so whether you're just dealing with the mess yourself, right? Uh, so so yeah, I de- you know and 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 I've been stuck there, and so it, so you got to think of you got to take really audit your time. Tactically, a thing that I like to do uh, whenever I'm trying to figure out like a, a standard operating procedure or a way to delegate, uh, there's a tool called loom.com. It's like the best screen recording software out yeah. there. And I'll wear some heads- a headset like this one, and I'll just talk out loud as I'm working on something on my machine. And it's like, this is how I do this. This is how I want it to look. Here's a competitor's version. This is what we expect. And literally, you just do that for 30 minutes. You can hand that off to somebody. And then they can follow along what it is you're doing, right? What a, you can pause what a it,
0: watch it a few times. Yeah, what a you time to, to be alive! You don't have to manually explain the whole thing or write it right. all down.
1: Right, right, or maybe you give it to them, say, "Hey, watch this four times," and then you send me back a uh, hmm. a spec That's doc, and and I'll tweak the spec doc. Um, what a time to be alive! Like that, that didn't exist 10 years yeah. ago. 14, right. 20 years ago like you had to like yeah. mean count the stuff like so it's, it's a lot easier today than it's ever been yeah More Approachable.
0: no that's a great yeah it is a great tool i have even i i even i even sort of delegate the delegation i mean i have one i have one uh you know team member we have a new person we had a new person starting recently at my company fractional leadership and uh we just said like okay you know she, she wrote down she's doing it she well we had process already but you know she wrote down the process i just told her you know I videos. You make videos showing how you do this. How do you do that? I do, do the other thing. And so she made the loom videos. I didn't even have to make them.
1: Awesome. Uh, Cause you know,
0: I did it in the initial training, but like, you know, but, yeah. uh, but then, you know, you know, she created those videos or loom or zoom or whatever, whatever she used, but the, uh, but yeah, that's a great, that's a great tool. Uh, listen, one last question is, Um, thinking about, you know, go back 15 years ago when you had this concept 2012 or whenever you made this sale and you had this idea, right. What's one or two things that, you know, that you would tell your younger self.
1: Yeah. Um, there's a big, this is something I didn't really understand at the time. There's a big difference between running a business and inventing a product. And a lot of those times, those things get conflated. You think business you think entrepreneur, new product, existing type of, of company, it all kind of gets thrown in the same bucket. And really, they're two different journeys. So, my first business 15 years, landscaping construction company, 150 employees, 90 trucks going out every day. I had three mechanics working for me, fixing lawnmowers and stuff. It was very much a blue collar entre- uh, business that I ran. And I sold that. And here I am thinking I know everything. But there then is you
0: learn, right, right? You learn how to run a business.
1: Yeah, knew and how I to think, run a business. I knew, yeah, knew how to run a business. Knew how to knew how to scale a business. Knew how to create create systems and and all that. And I, after I sold it, and then selling the business was 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 really really challenging too. So after I got through all that, I thought I, I thought I knew pretty much everything there was to know about business. But then I started another business where I was inventing something brand new from scratch that did not exist. Nobody had ever used an app to to order a lawn mowing service without even speaking to them and paying for it right through the through the app. That's a lot more challenging than running a, a, a known business model. And so I wish I could have like gone back in time and like un- made myself understand the differences between the two it would have saved me a lot of, a lot of beating my head against the wall. Um, the other thing is, is, is uh, it's not who, you know, it's not, it's, it's what you've built. Um, mm. Somebody gave me some bad advice when I started Green Pal. They were like, you need to network
0: Right. You it's not to, what you know, it. it's who you know. That's what people Yeah, say.
1: right, 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 right. It's not what you know, it's who you know. So you need a network. So I literally wasted like eight months like hitting up everybody on LinkedIn and trying to do coffees and lunches with other people in the tech scene. And and that was a waste of time. Um, it was a waste of their time. It was a waste of my time. I should have just put my head down, started working on building something mm-hmm. rather than trying to network. what's almost never a waste of time is talking to customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so remove all the friction between you and your customer, make it really easy for them to, to tell you everywhere you suck and like, listen to them because they will help guide you through, through the abyss. Mm-hmm. And so those are some things I would tell myself 10 years ago. Right.
0: Well, that's awesome. Uh, those are, yeah, those are, those are great things. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time today. I appreciate you coming on and awesome. You know, it's funny. We we you know we started off how to build a tech company. You don't know how to code. You know, with the conclusion that you have to learn how to code, or find someone who knows how to code, right? Is the conclusion. But, but you know, but that's but that's real life, right? And it's yep. uh, and, and it's great to see somebody who's not coming from, you know, the world where that's you know just like that normal world where these you know startups and funding happens. Uh, so just super super interesting and super useful. Really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me on your show. It's been fun. Yeah,
0: I appreciate it. And we'll see everybody else on the other side. Thank you. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.